0: coming um, tonight, I'd like to first of all remind everyone uh, there is some really exciting classes happening at Maya now. Um, this week's Sunday um, class on uh, the Jewish approach uh, or Jewish me- um, medicine is uh, wasn't on Sunday because of Lag Bomer. It was moved to, t- to Wednesday. So it's going to be Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock over here at my own. Tomorrow we're having a fantastic class uh, by Rabbi Mendel Zirkin, fourth class on the Sfira. This time it's the Sephira of Netzach. Um, I don't have the card in front of me. Oops, right over here. Title of tomorrow night's class is Does Competition Bring Out the Best or Worst in Me? Okay, this is on Netzach tomorrow night. Really, really, really fantastic. These classes are... Uh, yeah. This is just totally new information. this is not like just hearing the same things reworded in different ways. this is I'm telling you this is really really innovative stuff unbelievable d- deep understanding For those who want to have a better understanding of the human psyche according to Torah according to Chasidis and how to uh, improve yourselves this is a class this is a must. Okay, so this is Tuesday night, tomorrow night. Um, and Rabbi, the Wednesday class this time is going to be on healing the soul. A non-traditional approach to mental illness and addiction. This is going to be... I'm no, sorry, that's not this one. That's the next one. This is Wednesday. is going to be, and you shall truly heal what you can do when you do get sick. So, and he's doing demonstrations. These are high-quality classes, both of them. So again... Tomorrow night and Wednesday night The next one is going to be next week Sunday Okay um, I'd like to thank uh, the sponsors for tonight uh, The sheer sponsor Was in honor of the birthday Of Dara Dinor Her birthday is the 21st Of ER, Which is coming up this week um, Yesterday was the 18th, 19th I think on Wednesday So Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov uh, She should have You should have a Wonderful, good year, A year, full of Bracha and Mazel, a tremendous success, a lot of Brachas and a lot, a lot of good things, and prosperity, and, and, and only only good things this year. B'taye Vaneirav only revealed good. Uh, thank you to your husband for uh, doing this dedication, Yashar Koyach. Thanks. Um, CD sponsor this week was by the Smoliansky family. And this is in honor of. Their son Moishi's birthday, um, happy birthday for him and a bracha on the twenty fifth of Iyar, a wonderful good year, and and um, in memory on site of a grandmother Golda Bas Yosef on the same day, the twenty fifth of Iyar, may Hashem have a very 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 great 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 Aliyah, to the greatest of heights and. Um, she should channel down lots of brachas to the entire Smolianski family. Thank you for the dedication. I also want to dedicate tonight's class to the uh, boy uh, from Emek who needs a refuah Shalema. Had surgery today, and Baruch Hashem, the surgery was successful. He should continue to heal without any complications. And he should be back completely to his full self, Eliyahu, Yosef, Chaim, Ben Revital, I guess since the last time I think they added a name, Eliyahu Yosef Chaim Ben Revital. May we have a complete and total refor shalema amongst all the ill of Israel. And may it be now mamash miraculous recovery. Okay, all that being said, we're ready to learn. Um, this week, um, we had, we celebrated an awesome day. Um, and that's Lag Bomer, and we had great festivities. I want to thank the community for coming out joining us on this powerful, powerful evening of song and dance and simcha. It was really, really, really special. I also want to thank all those who helped in some way, participated financially um, in the bonfire, that the Sadegheter Rebbe was the one who bought the schus to light the Hadlaka in Maron. And he said that when they light the Hadlaka in Maron, Barav Shem yachai Hundreds of thousands of neshamas have an aliyah during that time. Souls that were like wandering, that can't. And in that fire, they're swept up by, by that fire and it pulls and it elevates these neshamas. And it's to me clear that we lit that magnificent, beautiful fire. And I want to thank Rabbi Kestenbaum, unbelievable by the way he put that thing together over here on La Brea. Uh, it also brought Naliyas neshama. I don't know, this must be, who knows? neshamas that are floating around over here in the streets of LA, this is not Eretz Yisrael but uh, souls from, from who knows when, that, are, that could be stuck, and we light a fire over here we don't even know what kind of toive, what kind of favor we do to our neshamah, to the souls what's the connection of our Los Angeles fire to the fire in the so that too you want to hear something really fascinating see everything is so exciting, it's really exciting you just have to be open to these little things, so Hashem gave me this chus that someone came over to me uh, Rabbi Kessin, and he uh, by the event and he told me Rabbi Wolf do you know that what's the latitude of Meron Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yochai the latitude so he says the line that goes right across Meron mountain is number 33 it's the latitude 33 that's the latitude of Meron and um, which is amazing because Meron Lamad Gimel Lag Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai and he says, well, you continue further down on that same line, it goes right through Los Angeles. So there you go, this is awesome. We connect, we have a special connection here, at the very, 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 very corner, chutzah, chutzah, at the very most external place, we have a connection to Rav Shem Bayachai. So our Lag BaOmer thing is significant, important, and wonderful. So it's just to uh, thank everyone. We're going to talk about Rav Ba Yachai tonight, and his relationship to this week's parsha. Even though one will argue and say, well, Bomer is over already, why are we busy still with Trip Shemba Yechai? The answer is that any yuntiv is not completed until Shabbos. Every single event that happens during the week reaches its elevation on the following Shabbos. Because Shabbos is the elevator of the week. Simply to understand, imagine the six days every day, at the completion of the day, the day doesn't go away. The day stands when Sunday is completed. Sunday moves to the side it doesn't go anywhere it stays somewhere down here and Monday comes in when Monday is over Monday goes into the file and Tuesday unravels in front of us and we experience Tuesday And when Tuesday is done and all of the deeds that we've done on Tuesday are all wrapped up in Tuesday Tuesday folds itself up and goes into the third the third page in the file and Wednesday unravels. And so it is every day of the week. By the time you get to the end of the week, all six days of the week are standing. Comes Shabbos, and they all enter the elevator. And Shabbos is this elevator that elevates the whole week. That means that we haven't completed the stimuli and bringing down the blessings until Shabbos. When Shabbos comes... The bracha that you have from dancing Matzah Shabbos and connecting to Ribshem Shem Be'yichai and the real release of that energy will only be released in your neshama on, on Shabbos. And the blessings will come down on Shabbos from the mitzvahs that you've done during the week because the, the time and space, but time rises up to its source on Shabbos. The next week is like Hashem recreates the world, a new time, because Shabbos is above time. So time is elevated to a place beyond time. And then the next week, uh, time begins over again it's the first day that's why we say Hayom Yom Rishon it's the first day as if there was never a, a day before this because time is regenerated on Sunday and previous week of time is elevated on Shabbos so this coming Shabbos is when Rav Shem is gonna reach its its completed ascent with all the blessings as we said that are related to it and our elevation that's it so Lag Boomer energy is very much still here the hero of Lag Boomer is both Rabbi Akiva and Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, we're going to focus on Rav Shimon Bar Yochai tonight, on his energy, and in his, his connection to this week's Parsha. Um, first of all, just a word about a yard site. Uh, the greatness of Lag Baomer is it's the yard site, it's the Hilula of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, which for whatever reason, he merited from all the tzaddikim, from all the generation, that his yard site is celebrated with more fanfare, and more energy than any other yard site in the world. Rabshimen B'Yuchai. Moshe Rabbeinu, very significant day, but it doesn't have that intense power like Rabshimen is yard site. But in general, what's the significance of a yard site? Why do we celebrate a yard site? What's great about a yard site? You see, uh, on the day when a person passes away, see, the significance of a yard site is it's rooted in the first year that the person passed away, meaning at the time of the passing. The reason why a yard site Continues to be great Is because it's a reenactment Of the day of the passing But the day of a passing of a person Is extremely potent and powerful Why is that day so powerful? The day is powerful because Just like I just explained That the whole week waits for Shabbos And when Shabbos is elevated The whole week is elevated with it Shabbos is the day that lifts the entire week The same is also in all the days Of a person's life the day of a person's passing is like Shabbos because that's the day that the neshama is returning. Shabbos means return. The neshama is returning back to its maker together with all the good deeds that the neshama did. So what happens on the day of a person's passing? All the mitzvahs that they've done, all the good influence that they've done, all the contribution that they made through the thousands of good deeds that they've done speckled through their lives, sparsed and speckled across their life. And all, their, all accumulate together on that day. That means a person has light. We all have light. Because we're all doing mitzvahs. And we don't even know how much light we have when we do a mitzvah. Because we're blind. We don't see anything. Our eyes are so coarse. We don't see anything. But every time we do a mitzvah, we're shining like the sun. We're shining much more than the sun. Mamish, the, the energy that is emanating from each and every one of us is probably a billion suns. Every time we're doing a mitzvah. Because a mitzvah, you're actually connecting with God right now. Yafasha achas, betshuva, and and one hour of good deeds in this world is more than the entire Olam Abba. The connection is awesome, unbelievable. So this incredible godly light that's lighting up the cosmos, we don't see. But it's one mitzvah, it's one good deed. Then these deeds gather together, one by one, one by one, by one. And when you're doing today's good deeds, yesterday's good deed is kind of in the background. It's it's like a file you have in your computer. You shut it. It's not on the screen. It's there. It's somewhere, but it's it's not up and it's not outside. It's not visible, and so it is all the mitzvahs that you do. After a person completed his life, hopefully by 120, all the deeds that they did are needed now. Need to now stand before God. They all need to be elevated. So suddenly they all appear on stage. It's like at the end of a concert. Sometimes you go to a concert there's a few different singers. That are singing. So, first, I have this one singing. In the end of the concert, uh, a lot of times, all of them come on together and they're all singing together. So, that's what's happening over here. All the mitzvahs that you've done, all the Torah that, you, that a person has studied, all, what, all the good that they've done, all lining up to, to create one beautiful song. Now, I'm going to stand the power, the potency of that. It's like unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's all standing together. But it's really much more than that. It's not just adding up the sum total of all the deeds that a person did. But when you have many things coming together, they bring down a new light and a new power far greater than the sum total of the individual parts. Is when you have ten Jews coming together, you have a minion, you have a quorum. And at that time, we know you can say holy things. The Shekhinah dwells. How does it work? Each Jew has a little spark of Shekhinah inside of him. So you put 9 Jews together, you don't really have it You have 10 Jews, so you might think, okay, 10 Jews you, Let's say you need, um, let's say every Jew is 10 digits, got 10 attributes So let's say you need 100 points, someone can argue So in order to make a minion, you need 100 points 100 degrees of holiness So you add one Jew is 10, another Jew is another 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. By the time you have 10 Jews, you have 100 It's not that way For a minion, you need 1,000 points, I'm just giving an example or you need uh, 100,000 points, 100,000 degrees of holiness. It's when 10 Jews come together, you only have 100. But the fact that there are 10 together, now 10,000 degrees of holiness comes down upon them. Much bigger than what they their individual power, because they're 10 together. And that's what happens on the yard site. On the day of the passing of the person, all their good deeds come together. In addition to the value of each individual part and them, toge- and them together, it now draws down a spectacular light and a spectacular power. That's unbelievable. And um, what happens on the yard site? Every year on the yard site, being that the, the day is, comes around, that light is again shines forth of the day of the person's passing. In a sense, it only gets more powerful in the first year. The reason is because there is dividends. There is added on. Because you realize when a person is in this world, they leave a mark, they leave an influence. They educated their children, they taught people, they inspired, they reached. People were influenced. And as a result of that, that influence continues. So now there is more good deeds that were done. Think of, let's say for instance, of Shem Anba Yochai. You think about since last year Lag Baomer until this year Lag Baomer, how much inspiration came to the Jewish world from all the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus or uh, uh, originating in the teachings of the Zohar from Rav Yechai. It's all his credit. So now that's all being added on, creating so much more power. And every year, it's like way, 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 way beyond what it was before. So it keeps on getting more potent and stronger and stronger and stronger. Unbelievable. And that's by every person. Can you imagine by a tzaddik? Can you imagine by a grand tzaddik? Can you imagine by Reb Shalom, by That's why we know, for instance, by Moshe Rabbeinu, it says that on the day of his passing, it says there are 40, 50, 50 gates of Bina, of understanding. The 50th gate no man can ever perceive. It's like, wow, you can't know it. But it says Moshe Rabbeinu on there. All his life, he had the 49 gates of understanding as he grew deeper in them, but not the 50th. It eluded him all his life. The day of his passing, as the time that he passed away, this great light of the 50th, which is Ein Sof, which is infinite, was revealed to him. As it says that he went up on a mountain called Har-Nevoh, that's where he passed away. And the word Nevoh, the Arizal says, means Nunbo, the 50th is in this mountain. So Moshe Rabbeinu ascended to the 50th. Why? Because the day of his passing, Again, all the work of Moshe Rabbeinu was now accumulated together to stand and create this magnificent brightness. It also says, in, by, by, by every individual person, it says that, it's an interesting Pasuk, it says, Adam <laughs> HaShem says, a person can't see me and be alive. Adam says, <laughs> a person cannot see me and be alive. So there's two interpretations Chazal say. Number one is, when it says adam, man cannot see me, v'chai. And even the chayos ha-kodesh, even the supernal um, um, malachim above the celestial beings that are called Sakodesh, they can't either see me. That's one purish. Another purish is adam, a person can't see me, and stay alive. But on the when they're alive, they don't see by their passing they see. Every person at the completion of his life gets some kind of a vision in God, in the divine whatever. That which Malachim can't see. But the question is like this. If, what's it called again, if Malachim can't see, so why should a person see it at the end of his life? And if you're going to say it's because of the quality of your neshama, and is higher than a Malach, so then why is it only happen when a person passes away? Why doesn't that happen? And if you're going to say because the body doesn't allow the neshama has to go out of a body, then the neshama should be able to see it before it came down. It doesn't say that. It says in the day of the passing. And the answer is related to the neshama's accomplishments in this world. Well, when a person came down into this world and all of us to some degree we fulfill at least part hopefully most of what our shlichus was in this world so when it comes to the end and Neshama leaves this world the power of all that godliness that's now shining the energy of the person is so intense it is so powerful and that's what allows the person to see what otherwise cannot be seen that being said we can understand how the power of Rav Ba HaBayyachai's energy is unbelievable this entire week because we just had his yard site. And his yard site is still lingering over us on tul Shabbos. So this whole week, we're enveloped in the light of Rabshim and So now, let's take a look. And being that the Parsha is the energy of the week, let's take a look at the Parsha. It's a double portion this week Parsha's Bahar and Parsha's Bechuk Kaysai. We're going to focus on the second portion, the Parsha Bechuk Kaysai, on a certain idea in the Parsha that is so richly connected to Rabshim and And that is as follows. We know that in the parsha, the Torah begins this week, the it gives us with a whole, it starts with blessings, beautiful blessings. Hashem says, if you will go in my mitzvahs, you will follow my commandments. By the way, I should mention, we're actually going to conclude the most special book in the Torah, Vayikra is called the most precious book in the Torah. We're going to do Shabbos Chazak this week. It's a very powerful Shabbos. Double portion, Shabbos Chazak. Also, we're going to be benching the new month of Sivan, the giving of the Torah. Unbelievable, the Shabbos. A parashat, we should prepare ourselves. So Parshat Zbichu begins with blessings. If you will go on my statues, my mitzvahs, Hashem says, I will give you rain, I'll give you... And He goes on to bless us, beautiful, beautiful, magnificent blessings. It's it's amachai, it's delicious. Reading the Parish Zbichu it's wonderful to see such kindness and goodness, Hashem showers us with blessings. That's until we get to, you know, uh, like the 20 psukim into Parshat Zbichu After that, suddenly the, the, the psukim take a very, very, very sharp 180 degree turn. And it gets very, very dark and very bleak. Very, very painful and horrific. The Torah goes on to describe God's wrath that's going to be put upon the Jewish people if God forbid you do not follow my commandments. And it's like terrible. I mean, the curses that are flowing are like unbelievable, scary. And it says horrible things. And sadly, look at Jewish history, testimony, that all this that has been said, that God says he's going to bring upon the Jewish people, has occurred. I'm not going to go through them. One can look on your own at the. Okay, it says this week in the parsha, clear, it's the teichacha, and it's really, really, really harsh. However, we know that in truth, um, the the, the parsha is not chas v'shalim. Um, um, dis, does not uh, descend in the middle of the parsha. It does not suddenly turn to the negative. It's not like we have a positive parsha that suddenly turns sour. But rather, in truth, the parsha is accelerating in blessings, because we learned, and this, we had some classes about this, that really the true deeper meaning of the taikha of these harsh, what seems to be curses, is really blessings. Not only are they blessings, but they're much deeper blessings. In other words, there are two types of blessings in parshas B'chu there is ordinary blessings, and there's extraordinary blessings. The beginning of the parsha gives us the ordinary blessings the latter part of the Parsha gives us extraordinary blessings. There are regular-sized blessings and there's are super-mega-blessings. The super-mega-blessings are coming from where God says, if you will not listen, this will happen. Those occurrences of the Torah is describing Tzadikim, who had the real, 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 real holy eyes, penetrated the outer veil and got deeper and discovered the inner, truer, deep blessing that there is in in in, in these parshias. Because in general, tzaddikim live in the, live in the inner, in the plenemius, in the inner realm. They can see the, in, the, the content, the inner content. Related to what I was saying before about Rav and where he was, We'll also, by the way, explain, because I forgot to mention, this is very important for the rest of the class, but it's this idea that tzaddikim penetrate and they live in the plenemius in the inside. Um, the, in Priya, it's Chaim from the Arizal. It brings a, from Rav Vital which is the writings of the Ari, the Holy Ari, he brings a fascinating story, painful story, but it's fascinating. Over there it describes how, it uh, talks about Lag Bomer, this is in the seventh per- uh, uh, perech in Shar Sfirasa Omer, in Priets Chaim, where he talks about the ideas of the, the, the Omer and all that, all the kavonot, all the uh, mystical intentions that one should have and the like. So suddenly he talks about going to Maron on Lag Bomer. And he says, my, my, my teacher would go, the Arizal would go, with his wife and children. Beautiful way he read said, Arizal was a holy day, the Arizal running up the mountain. With his wife and children. He would go up to Maron, and he said he spent three days there. He used to go his yearly pilgrimage. And when he went there, um, Sir Reb Chaim Vital says that so-and-so, Reb Avram Halevi, related to me, a story that happened with him, which was sad. And that is that this, this fellow, who was a student of the Arizal, a colleague of Reb Chaim Vital, you can imagine a giant of a giant, used to every day be, um, say a passage in davening called Nachim. Nachim is what we say on Tishah B'av. We added by Mincha. It says it, it, the translation of it is comfort. We're begging God to comfort Jerusalem because we realize the destruction of the Our hearts are bleeding. We're crushed. Yerushalayim is in shambles. The people they still they the governments in the world still think that they're the ones who are going to decide. They're the ones who are going to decide. They're the ones who are going to decide. Jerusalem, the fate of Jerusalem. If we're going to move the embassy there. We're not going to... Okay, the truth is, they can decide if they want to move the embassy there or not. That's not the issue. But the, the, Jerusalem is the Jewish capital. It's, it's what the Abishder has decided. Poi Eishav, this is where I will see. I will sit because here is where I, I this is my desirable place. But in any case, I'm just getting carried away. Jerusalem is 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 destroyed, and the glory of God is this. Rabbi Levi felt the pain of the churb of the destruction, the churb in the Beis Amigdor so strongly that every day he needed to he needed to he needed to be comforted. He couldn't he couldn't live his day. So every day by Shemona Esrei he would plead. What well, we say at this, now we're not allowed to say it every day. He says it every day. How is he allowed to do it? Milshmon Estri? The answer is, he was heartbroken. He needed the same boost that we need on Tishabav. He needed it daily because he was so in tune with that pain, with the destruction of not having to base something. Fine. The Arizal told him he has a message from him for from Rab Shimon Bar Yochai. Like, hear this? The Arizal, when he was in Maron, communicated with the soul of Rab Shimon Bar Yochai. Sherbshima Bayochai told the Arizal, hey, this fellow over there has been saying Nachem during my wedding, during my celebration. He's raining on my parade. It's my party. And he's sitting there and crying and weeping. Tell him that if he's looking for comfort, he will have comfort. I mean, he didn't say exactly those words, but that's the idea he said to. Basically, because you're looking for comfort. And a day that you shouldn't be looking for comfort. This is a day of happiness and joy. But because you're trying, Yechashashim wasn't trying, but you were disturbing my joy by your sadness. So you'll have something to be sad about. And you'll need comfort. That year, Nabakh, this person's son passed away. And he was sitting shiva and he needed to receive comfort. Very, very harsh story. But what it does tell you is that, Reb Shemem um, Bayachai is upset. He's upset that this student of the Arizal was mourning on Lag Bomer. Which really, really one can ask, I mean, so what's wrong? What did he do wrong? He's mourning. Why is he mourning? Out of, a, out of sensitivity. I'm not crying. I thank God walk around and I can enjoy my lunch very well even though the Beisam dish is destroyed. This person couldn't. He was in pain. He needed comfort. He felt his pain even on Lag Bomer. So why are we complaining? Why is he being punished? So the answer is, based on what we had said before, on the day of the tzaddik's passing, the energy of the tzaddik is extremely intense. That energy is so palpable of the tzaddik. And when you're feeling Rav Shimon Ba energy, there's no room for mourning. Why not? The Beis HaMikdash is destroyed. Whether it's Rav Shimon whether it's Lag Bomer or not Lag Bomer, Yerushalayim is still destroyed. We don't have a Beis HaMikdash. So here is an interesting idea. Reb of Parich, one of the great hasid third generation Chassid, from the B'Tseh Mach a second generation from the Mithril Rebbe, says in his Sefer, he heard in the name of the Alter Rebbe, Reb Shnir Zalman of Liadi, who said that in front of very high neshamis like Reb Shimon and Bayur Chai, to these souls, the, the destruction of the Beis Amikdash never occurred. To them there is no a destruction. The Bais Amikdash is still standing. Rav Shemel was a student of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva lived during the revolt. 15 years about Rav Shemel is around 67 years after the destruction of the temple. There's no temple. If anybody ever felt the destruction, the void, the emptiness, it was that generation more than anybody else because they remembered what was before. But to Rav Shemel it didn't exist. Why? Because to him the Bais Amigdash was still standing. Why? Because when we understand that the base of was destroyed, it's like when a person chas is destroyed. When a person dies, leaves this world, they're not destroyed. Physically, the body is it died. Spiritually, the soul continues on. We who live in the outer crust of existence, to us, physicality is real. The spiritual element of it is not. It's, it's not not so palpable. So, to us, we don't see a base of but the tzaddikim they tune into the deeper. Now we understand also that if the physical base Amikdash was destroyed, the spiritual base Amikdash was also destroyed. Because if the spiritual base Amikdash would, would have been destroyed, then the physical would not have been able to. True, but even if that's true, we understand there's levels and levels and deeper and deeper and deeper level. There's a certain inner, 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 inner panemius where there's no destruction. Just like we say in a Jew, no matter how much externally a Jew can become influenced by external impurities and defilement, there's an inner, inner, inner point that is always holy and always godly and always devoted. So the same as in the Beis Amikdash, there's an inner, inner, inner place that hasn't changed, that is just as present as it always was, it's there. And Reb Shimon Bar is living in that dimension. So to him there was no destruction. So you're going to ask, very nice, to Reb Shimon there is no destruction. But this Rabbah Ram Levi is crying, Why? Because then he's not living in that dimension. He's living in a dimension of what? where there is a destruction. So, why do you blame him? And the answer is since it's Rabshim and Bayachai's day, Rabshim and Bayachai elevates us to his place. And this student, he was a student of Rabbi Ak, of, of of the Arizal. I guess he had it within his capacity to have this meditation and this understanding that in front of Rav Shemem Ba Yochai there is no Chorubin, there's no destruction, and that he can now be lifted by Rav Shemem Ba Yochai and not be in that zone of darkness. And that's why he was punished. You have to say that he was able to come out of it. If he wasn't, then he wouldn't have been punished. He was punished because I guess he did not... not, uh, 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 not accept, he did not um, tap into the, 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 the log-bomer experience the way he should have and he could have. But he didn't. What am I just saying from here? There is another zone. There is a zone where you live in the inner, inner reality and in the inner reality there's no curses. There's no negativity. There's only goodness. Because in the inner, inner, inner point there's only Hashem and Hashem is good. All kinds of negativity only happens on the outer layers, not in the inner, inner layer. Rav Baha'i is living in the inner layer. And therefore, when you take a look through the eyes of Rav Shemem and his students, these great mystics and saints, when they looked at Parshas B'Chukosai, they did not see in any way any curses. They only saw blessings, but not ordinary blessings. They saw extraordinary blessings. Deeper blessings. So what does that mean? We're soon going to see. I'm just going to give. I'm going to point out to you one, one example. I, I, we've learned a class last a uh, few years ago where I've discussed a few of the psukim of parshas Kaisai, and I've given then over from Zalman of Liadi and the Torah, and where he discusses this idea of one of the psukim of this week's parsha that talks about the horrible hunger famine that will be, and the people will break big bread. The ten women will have to break bread in one oven. And the bread will be of such pure, uh, a pure pure, quality that it will collapse. And then they will take the little crumbs of it, and they will have to put it on a scale and divide the crumbs. And even then, you'll eat it and it will not satiate you. So we discussed the deeper meaning. It's a beautiful class. It's an unbelievable idea. It's worth listening to it again. But anyways, I'm going to share with you another teaching. And by the, the Hasidic rabbeim, by the great masters of Saul there you see that they, they, they look at these Pesukim and see a whole different reality. Here's a short little pasuk, um from uh, the, the Pesuk Chav Bez. And let's read the Pesuk first and then I'll give you the mystical interpretation. Let's crack the outer shell of the curse and see the inner hidden disguised blessing that's here. It says like this in the Pesuk. b'chem God says, I will send, I will incite upon you the beasts of the land. They will devour you. They will attack you, they will devour you. It's pretty bad, right? Beasts, God generally keeps the beasts in the wilderness. Lions, tigers, bears, wolves. Keeps them where they belong. Here, like we saw by Mitzrayim, Hashem let the beasts out from their jungles or whatever they were and attacked the Egyptians. God says, I will do that to you, to Israel. They will devour you. They will cut down your animals. They will kill your livestock. They meet Eschem and they will diminish you. We're talking about a lot of people being killed by wild beasts to the point that the Pesach is saying they will cause your numbers to diminish. You have less people will be noticeable. The community has shrunk because people will be killed by the wild beasts. And as a result of that and your ways, your roads will be desolate. Two reasons I guess. Number one, there's less people so there's less people on the roads. Secondly, everybody's terrified to go on the road because you never know what kind of an encounter one is going to have by some wild beasts. That's the, what it says in the Pasuk. Now let's put on the Holy Rujiner's glasses. Tzadik of Rujan, who as the Tzaddik said, that when the Holy Rujiner says to Hillam on Shabbos, he sees the entire, the entire world is open before him. Everything he sees. So, uh, take a look how the original looked at this pasuk. Suddenly, it's so simple; it's so in the pasuk, but yet it's a whole different interpretation. Hashem says, Bachem, I will send to you as chayas hasode. I will send to you chius. Chius means life. I will give you chayus. I will give you energy. But which kind of energy? Hasade coming from the field, the field. That's the field that the Zohar always talks about. It's called the apple orchard. The field of the apple orchard. Chakao tapuchin kaddishin. That's the shechina. The shechina is called the field. I will unleash upon you. I will channel down upon you. I will direct towards you life. Chayas. Energy. Hasada from the shechina. Wow. What is that going to do to you? Vishikla eschem means it's going to devour you. Now let's reread it differently from the Ruzh eyes. We'll change the shin for a sin. V'shikla eschem, it will enlighten you. It will give you seichol. You'll have such an illumination coming from the light of the shechina. Suddenly your mind will open up. You'll have expansive consciousness, great understanding. V'shikla eschem, you'll have seichol. You'll have enlightenment, you'll have understanding. And what happens when a yid has understanding, says it's going to cut, out, cut down your, animal, your animalistic side. The, there's an Efesh Bahamas, there's an animal side in a person that blocks our vision, that constricts us, that limits us, that doesn't allow us, that causes us to be numb to anything spiritual and godly. But since you're going to be receiving enlightened energy from the Shekhinah, that's going to enlighten you. So the animal inside of a person is going to suddenly shrink. That means all of our animalistic cravings and desires are going to become secondary, become unimportant. Because you're experiencing godliness. Then, it's going to diminish you, which means it's going to bring you to bittle. It's going to humble you instead of walking around. Why does a person walk around like he's a whole mitzvah? Like he's a whole thing because he doesn't sense God. Moshe Rabbeinu, who knew Hashem the deepest more than anybody else, was the most humblest of all people. It's going to make you small, it's going to make you humble, it's going to bring you to bittle. And hear these last words, V'nashamu darchechem," which simply means your ways, your roads are going to be desolate. V'nashamu darchechem, all your ways, all your actions, all your activities, all your ways, are going to become nishamadig. They're going to be filled with soul energy. V'nashamu darchechem, instead of your actions being physical, earthy, they're going to be nashamadig actions, saturated with the energy of your soul. You're going to be living a life full of soul, full of light. Is this the same Pasuk? Is this the same Pasuk? It's the same Pasuk. It's the exact same Pasuk. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Was the Ruzhana saying a cute little daughter? He said, Oh, I'm going to sit down. Let me you How can I figure this out? The Ruzhana wasn't saying, No, he wasn't derusion I wasn't saying a cute little thing let me try to make a positive spin on this this is derusion penetrating into the soul derusion the is going into the deeper hidden blessing that's here we're not seeing it because we don't have containers and vessels in the physical world for such a deep blessing to come down so it comes shrouded in a form that it looks like a horrible curse and it could be a curse as long as one is not seeing that inner light it's not that it's not true what it says it is true beasts and all that but inside of that lies a very powerful, powerful, holy, godly blessing. A kiss from Hashem is in this Pasuk. The Rajanist sees it. Because he sees deeper. Why? Because he's plugged into to Shimba Yochai. He's in the is plugged into the Reb Ba Yochai. We know I remember mean, the famous story and it's worth saying it again because it's so connected over here that the Shneir Zalman's son, the Midl Rebbe, was once, when he was a boy, he said about his father that, you know, one time his father was out of town. And, he, and he, heard the cler- he heard the curses, not this week's parsha. the one in parasha's because we know the curses are repeating twice, one in Devorim, And that one, when he heard it, he got sick, he fell ill, his father wasn't home, his father was the balkar, the altar rebbe was the balkar. And then the, he wasn't there that Shabbos, and someone else read, and the kid literally got sick, his father didn't know, it was right before his b'mitzvah. The mitlo rebbe's birthday is in, is in Kislev, so it, this would have been three fasts before he needed to fast the minog the fast Allah whatever free before. but his father didn't know if he can have him fast on Yom Kippur because he was so weak when was he weak? He was weak. Two, weeks, two weeks later he was still ill and weak from hearing the Torah so when they asked him why? he says it's horrible what I heard so, but you hear it every year it's not the first time he says yeah but when my father reads it I hear a whole different curse I'm not hearing the curse I'm hearing a whole different dimension my father reads when my father is reading you don't hear curses you hear something else you hear the blessings it's coming from God God is cursing God got upset, that he's cursing. That's what he's doing. God is blessing; it's a higher blessing. So we're not we're not we're not, married. we're not vessels for that blessing. But the power to penetrate and to uncover and reveal the hidden blessings that are there is really coming from Rishon and Bayochai. So the, the original story where we find this. That, that, where do we find such a thing that there can be an external form of a, of a curse but inside is filled with blessings so the Gemara tells a story and I mentioned this again in the share that I give then I'm not, so not going to tell the story uh, I'm going to do it very very short very brief so it says like this the Gemara tells Mesechtes Davtes page 9 Mesechtes Mayukaten that Rav Shemem once sent his son Rebbe Lazar to go receive um, a blessing from two people one of them was Yehuda Ben-Gerim and the other one um, I don't remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting name. Nitai something or something like that. Uh, something, with a, yeah, something like that, I don't remember his name. And he said, go get a blessing from them because they are Anshitzura. They are men of, they are spiritual people. They are higher people. It's interesting, one of them is Yehuda Ben-Gerim. Yehuda Ben-Gerim is the one that Rav Shemar Yachai turned him into a pile of stones, of, of bones, because he was the one who, t- who, who went and told the story that Rav Shemar Yachai spoke against the Romans. So this, is, this is one of them. But meanwhile, he wasn't, he wasn't just a regular guy. He was someone of a man of stature that he sent um, his son to get a blessing from him. His son came, and they first had a halakhic discussion. Then they asked him, so why would you come? He said, my father sent me to you. Why did he send? He, wants a, he asked, I should ask you for a blessing. So they told him like this. They started giving him a whole list. Uh, they started, <laughs> uh, gave him a, 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 uh, a whole a whole load, a basket of what seemed to be horrible curses. Because he was terrified. So they told him, just quickly, they said that you should plant and you shouldn't cut. You should take in, but you shouldn't take out. You should take out, you should, you should give out, you should invest, but you shouldn't bring in. Your, um, you sh- you, 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 your house should be destroyed, but your uh, temporary dwelling should be settled. Your house, your permanent home should be destroyed But your temporary uh, dwelling That's where you should You shouldn't see the new year I mean, things like that So he he comes back to his father And his father took one look at him And he saw that he doesn't look good He said to him, what happened? He says, well not only didn't they bless me But they pained me He says, what did they say? So He he told him what they said He He says, they gave you very, very big blessings and he started explaining when they said you should sow you should plant but you shouldn't cut it means you should have children but you shouldn't bury them you shouldn't cut you shouldn't cut the life of chas you should give out they thought when it says you should give out and and, and not take in means I'm sorry you should bring in and not take out means you should buy you should buy merchandise and not being able to sell it a lot of times people buy stuff and then they get stuck with all the stuff so he said no you should take in and not be able to sell means that you should take daughter you should your sons should marry girls you should bring these girls in to your house and your sons shouldn't die so that these girls should have to go back out that's what he meant should go back home to their father's home because your sons died in their lifetime and then when he said you shouldn't see the new year it means that your wife should live a healthy long life so you shouldn't have to have a new year I mean you shouldn't have to have a new shana rishana because when every time a person gets married he's supposed to have an, a one year period of special with his wife. So your, wife should, your current wife should stay alive, you shouldn't have to have a new Shana Rishayna by marrying another woman. And then when he said to them, um, your house should be destroyed, but your, 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 your temporary dwelling place should be built up, what he really meant was that your, your grave, which is the permanent house of a person, that should lay desolate and destroyed. And your temporary dwelling, which is the place that you live, should be inhabited. It means you should live a long life. This is what he said to him. So um, what happened? Oh, so, so the Marsha asked the question. The Marsha, one of the great commentators on Agadata, the Agada, whenever the, the Gomorrah talks, says, why couldn't they just, if they, why, 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 are, they, why are they making this monkey business? <laughs> why, are they, why are they doing? So the Marsha says, they were on purposely speaking in riddles because they wanted to sharpen him. They wanted to see how sharp he is and if he can really uncover what they really meant. I, I guess based on that, he failed the test. But, but um, the Tzemach Tzedek in Lakuti Torah gives little footnotes on his grandfather's writing. He said, based on what my grandfather said about the whole tochacha, the whole curse, that it's not a curse, it's really blessing in disguise. They're coming from a very, very high place and they cannot manifest in a very open way because we, really, we don't have the vessels for them. So therefore, they're coming to us and are shrouded in these curses. So he says, based on that, we can understand. When, these, when, he, when Rav Shema B'Yechai sent him to them to get a blessing, it's not that they're just saying blessings they, they were reaching up to a very high place To draw down something Some powerful energy That energy Because what else you can say I don't understand In the end um, We understand what they meant They were be blessing him, what, what were they blessing him with? They were blessing him, he should live a long life What else did they bless him? That he should have children and the children should, should be healthy and they shouldn't die and his daughter in law should live long, and his son should live long, and that he should, right? And his wife should, should live long. No, these are such, such big blessings. They're big blessings, but, you know, so many people give blessings like this all the time. You should be son. We go to a birthday for bringing, and he asks, Give me a blessing. And everybody gives wonderful blessings like this. They, they couldn't give a wonderful blessing like this. The answer is, there's a depth over here. When he sent it to them, what is a blessing? A real blessing is that the person who's giving the blessing goes up to a spiritual place where there is certain energy, and they draw that down, that, that power, onto the one that's being blessed, that that should come down. Now, when a, ordinary blessings, you're going up to a certain place, and from that place, you're drawing the blessings. No, that place, is the energy of that place, is something that can be received in containers. In ordinary containers. So the blessing can come down in a constructive, revealed, open way. But sometimes, What they were doing was they were going on up to a very, very, very high place, to a place where the energy is so intense, and you're bringing down that intense blessing. So there's no containers that can facilitate that, because there's no containers that can facilitate that. They had to. So what they did was they created these. They 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 brought. But they didn't want to forfeit it. So they brought it down. But they brought it down in in the opposite of blessing. So it's not containers, and only in the opposite in that intense horrible things that they said, can this energy be contained? But really, their intention was the blessing. But if that's the case, then you have to ask a simple question. If these are such deep blessings that cannot reveal themselves in this world, so how does Rav Shimon Bar Yechai say, hey, what are you talking about? These are all blessings. And he just goes, pop, 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 pop. He pops them all and reveals the blessing. How's Shimon? If we're saying that what, that down here below there are no containers to be able to receive such intense light, and therefore it has to come down, and this is no other way. Because if there was another way, they could have given him a blessing. Why they have to give him a curse? So how does R' Shimon just come and go, just like this, and 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 and, just, and 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 magically remove the curses and reveal the blessings? The answer is. This, that this world is not a vessel for blessings, this, that our world is not does not yet, does not have the capacity to receive ginormous blessings, we can only receive small blessings, but not big vessels, we don't have the vessels, we don't have the capacity for big blessings, is only the world in its current state, the world now. But the world, when Moshiach comes, the world is going to be a vessel and a container for the greatest of blessings. Because as a result of our mitzvahs that we do now, we stretch, we open up, we expand the physical. We expand, we expand. We we give it, we empower it. And we also expand, we open up its potential. And we, as we know, that what's going to happen when Mashiach comes, God himself is going to come live here. Is that what which we've discussed in so many classes, that in the heavens above, only a ray of Hashem's light can manifest. Not Hashem Himself. But in the physical world, Hashem Himself is going to reside here. How? It's a result of all of our mitzvahs that we do across the physical planet. We cause an expansion in the physicality of this world that it should be able to receive God Himself and should not burst. Unbelievable. This is going to happen when Mashiach comes. So when Mashiach comes, of course we're going to be vessels to receive these biggest blessings, these infinite blessings. Good, that's when Mashiach comes, but not now. And the answer is, however, Reb Shimon Ba'Yochai, he lived ahead of his times. He lived, just like we said before, to him the Beis Hamidosh was never destroyed. He lived in the future. He lived in the world of Mashiach. To him Mashiach was already. To him already, he was in the Mashiach realm. So to him, in his space where he was, the world was a vessel to receive the greatest light. Now what's the connection of Rav Shema Be'echai to Moshiach? Why is Rav Shema Be'echai already living in Moshiach's zone? And therefore he's able to take these curses and, and, and un- reveal the, the blessings inside in proper containers. Not having to use these, these, these concealed things to wrap them and hide them. But in the proper in the proper, proper containers. The reason is because what's going to be when Mashiach comes? What is going to be the world? What is going to be the main the main activity? What is going to be the main experience when Mashiach comes? When Mashiach comes, we are going to study the secrets of the Torah. The main contribution of Mashiach, people don't realize this, he's going to bring peace to the world, he's going to make the world a place full of love and kindness and goodness, and there's going to be in a bounty of blessings and everything, All that is secondary. The main thing of Mashiach is that he's suddenly going to open up the Torah before us, and we are going to see such light. We're going to learn secrets upon secrets upon secrets upon secrets. We're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper in the infinite pleasure of conceiving God. The Pasuk says, The entire world will not be occupied with anything else. Only to know God. That's what the world is going to be obsessed with. Everybody in the world is going to be learning. Chassidus, more, more, deeper, deeper, deeper. We know that all the revelations that were of Panimis HaTorah from Rashbi, the Zohar, Arizal, and all the teachings of it's only a foretaste. It's a little tiny bit of the great revelations. People think when Shia comes, you're going to go learn Torah. What is it? People think you're going to learn a lot of Gemara and a lot of Baba Kama. Of course you're going to learn Baba Kama, but you're going to learn it on the mystical element. The, the, the regular Halacha people are going to know naturally. Not going to go another shear from this one to give a chiddush. You're going to see the Panemius and a deeper Panemius and a higher. That's a es Hashem to know God. That's what's going to happen. Rav Shimon Ba Yochai didn't wait for Mashiach to do that. See, everybody else is waiting for Mashiach. Rav Shimon Ba Yochai said, "There's something so good. Why should we wait to Mashiach? Let me start now." So Rav Shimon B'yohai started pouring the secrets of the Torah out to people. Of course, there were certain limitations that he had to obey. And he couldn't be to everyone, but he, he was Megalop, Nimiya Satoru, more than anybody else. There were others and he, great mystics, besides Rav Shema B'yichai, we should know this, great, great, unbelievable mystics, like N'chunye ben Akana and others, but it was all private, they didn't teach. It was all for themselves. Rav Shema Bayechai was a teacher. He was the master. It was a selected group of people, but he taught. And his intention was eventually that it should be taught for everybody. He says in Zohar, with this book of Zohar, the Jews are going to go out of the Golas. Which means with these teachings, th- this is what's going to take the Jews. This is meant to be revealed. He was the revealer of these teachings. That means he lived already in Mashiach's times. And if he lived already in Mashiach's times, then just like he reveals the secrets of the Torah, he can reveal the secrets of the curses. In Mashiach's times, the world is a kali. The world is a vessel to these secrets to be revealed. And therefore, to him, when Reb Shemba Bayochai can take these what they couldn't reveal, he went immediately opened them up because in his realm, in Mashiach's days, we are, we are all vessels and containers for that great light. So now, but to understand this a little deeper, understand this a little deeper. The, the novelty, the true novelty of what Reb did in terms of a leap, and what we can gain if we associate ourselves with Rav and Ba Yochai, identify simply the improvement of our life in an unbelievable manner. Let's take a deeper look in the idea that we discussed earlier, in the blessings that are in disguise, and the relationship to us today of how we can unlock those blessings. So... When we say that the curses are a blessing of the skies We have to realize that the curses mean All the hardship that we experience in our lives Golos in general brings upon a situation Where life is difficult and harsh And then everybody in their own individual life Has what we call a peckle Has a a suitcase A small suitcase, a bigger suitcase, whatever it is A little bag of hardships Smaller bags, a little bigger bag Difficulties, hard things, painful situations, trouble—things that causing, cause, cause us distress. And the question is, are we saying that there's really, really a deep hidden blessing over here? The hardship, the hardship that can come from—God forbid—suffer pain that can come from illness, pain that can come from financial, um, financial um, uh, hardship from a lack of of parnas of livelihood. Pain that can come from difficulties with children or the lack of children or hardship with children. Ch- pain that can come from loneliness or being alone and not finding uh, the right uh, companion to live our lives with, a sh- shidduch to get married. And all kind of we have to go through a whole list of, of, of hardships that people can have and hard, difficult, difficult, difficulties. Some relationships that are extremely difficult. People suffer from sometimes from uh, in a, when they're in a bad relationship and the like and all kinds of abuse. I mean, there's a whole, whole list of stuff. And the question is, which caused pain, a lot of pain, how do we deal with this? So the book of Tanya has three methods in the book of Tanya. He addresses suffering in three places. And here what I would like to show you is, at the end, is the novelty of Reb by Yochai. See, in Tanya, in chapter 26, Tanya is the manual for, to living a life on a deeper plane, on a higher level. You want to live... You want to understand who you are as an esham what you are in this world And be able to live in a deeper higher consciousness In a more real way So that's the book of Tanya So it addresses all aspects of life And in three places he addresses suffering Human suffering In one place in chapter 26 in Tanya Very worth Perik learning Over there he discusses that when a person encounters Any kind of Pain or suffering One should Not allow it to make a person sad and depressed, but quite on the contrary, one should accept these hardships with joy. How does one do that? Gamzulat Tova. this too is for the good. And he reveals in a bombshell of a secret, he believes a bomb, an unbelievable revelation, something so, so important. It's the idea that I just discussed with you, but the way he describes it over there is that really from God, no bad comes out. There's only two levels of good. Hashem loves us, we're His children. That's number one. We're all, Jewish people are His children. Hashem loves us infinitely. With a child, there is, only, there, there is love and there is more love. There is when God is loving us on a more human level and then when God is loving us on a more godly level. When God is loving us, which means He's communicating to us His love. When He's communicating to us His love on a human level, then it comes down in a way that we can comprehend that love and we can see how He's loving us because He's taking care of us. Like a father is taking care of his child. He's feeding him, he's making him comfortable. So when God is giving us goodies, good things in life, we have parnasa, thank God, we have a family, children, and things are working out well, and everything is working very nicely in our life. God is communicating it to us in a manner that is humanly comprehensible. But then, God sometimes shares with us, communicates to us a far more intense love. He's loving us on a level that's purely godly, infinite and boundless, and he doesn't want to water down the love that we should be able to comprehend it. He wants to shear the love with us on a level that's very intense, that's extremely godly. And when he extends to us, when he reaches out from that high place, that love is so intense that it burns us, and it comes down as a painful experience. In, 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 in the words that he uses, he says in the Tetragrammaton, there are four letters, in the yud k vav ke, in Hashem's name, there's four letters, Yud-K-Vav-K. He says that, whenever Hashem is giving us goodies, a good life, good things in life, you should know that those blessings are coming from the latter two letters of God's name, the Vav and the He of Hashem's name. When Hashem is giving us suffering, hardships, it's coming from the first, the former two letters of His name, the Yud and the He. And he says, the Yud and the hey of God's name is infinitely higher than the Vav and the He. So when Hashem is giving us goodness and kindness from the Vav and the He, it comes down as a perceivable goodness. But when Hashem is giving us goodness from a higher place, from then we're not, as we said before, we can't handle it, we don't understand it. So it comes down in a manner that, we, that, that it causes us, ouch, causes us pain. And that's coming from the Yud, Ke. That's why it says in the Pasuk, Ashre haGever, fortune is the person, ashat Yasrenu, that he's being rebuked, he's getting yisurim, suffering, ka, from the yudke, because all suffering is coming from the yudke, from a hidden good. And just to give it a short, quick analogy, as parents, we conduct ourselves with our children in two ways. We're always, we love them, so we want to be kind to them. Sometimes we give them we show our kindness in a manner of a childish way that our children can appreciate the kindness. Sometimes we're giving our kindness and love to our children in an adult manner, but our children can't appreciate it. And usually the goodness that we're doing to them on an adult level, not on a child level, is a much greater goodness than the goodness. When we take our child to a candy store because they deserved something and we go and we want to make them happy and we pick them up a pizza and ice cream and candy, like the kid is like, my daddy is the best daddy in the world. My mom is like the best takes me for candies and this and that that's nice and you should be good to your children in a manner because your children need to know that you love them even when they don't have the understanding for a greater good but when you um, uh, um, um, are rebuke your child or when you keep your child home and don't allow them to play outside uh, or when you don't take your child to the amusement park but you, you make the child go to school so now you're acting in a way that's because you know that the child needs to study and needs to learn instead of having that day off the child thinks you're the worst person in the world for them not going But really, you're just being an adult adult and responsible because you love your child. And it's actually hard for you not to let them do so and so, but because you love them so much, you're overcoming your more uh, 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 natural feeling of giving in to them and acting responsibly on a much higher level. The child doesn't understand it. But when they will grow up, they'll understand and appreciate the tough love and how much you really, really cared about them, even when you were being strict. And quite on the contrary, precisely because you were strict. So the Alter Rebbe says an interesting thing. This Yudke level of goodness, today's days, it's not revealed to us. Today's days, when we experience the suffering, it comes to us as suffering. When Mashiach will come, he says, however, when, our, when we will all mature, we will be adults. It will be a time when our vessels will expand. Then the Yudke, the hidden good, is going is to be revealed. And he gives the example the, 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 the marshal that he uses, not the marshal, but the Gemara really says, is when Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to take the sun out of its shield. It's going to be incredibly hot because the sun is going to come out of its shield. But the righteous, and who are the righteous? Those who rejoiced in suffering. They're the ones who are going to be healed. They're going to be healed by this, by this, by the sun, intense rays of the sun. What does it mean? The sun itself, that's the Yudke, the higher level of the divine. The shield, the sheath of the sun, that's the Vavke. Usually Hashem is giving us light from the Vavke. That's nice, good things. Sometimes Hashem says, I need to share something so good with you. And Hashem moves away the shield and he allows his infinite goodness to shine directly. But when we know when the sun is shining upon a person without the shield, they get a sunburn. So they're in pain. But they're realizing it's really, really intense love. Now we get burned because we're not a vessel for it. When Mashiach comes, we're going to be a vessel to receive that goodness. And it's going to be total revealed good. So the Reb is basically his advice for a person that's suffering is. You can have pain. And I remind, remember what Dr. Frischman said in his first class that he gave over here two, two weeks ago. He gave over from his father who was a... Somehow he worked for a Senator Stevenson. And Senator Stevenson was a famous senator. And he said these words. He says, Pain is necessary. Suffering is not. It's a very, very deep thing. Similar to what the Alta Rebbe is saying. Alter Rebbe is saying pain, it's necessary. You're gonna have some pain in your life. God is gonna treat you sometimes to a higher good that you can that you cannot, you can't understand. It's gonna be painful. But you don't have to suffer. Because if you understand and appreciate the inner inner meaning of what's going on, so the suffering goes away because you realize that you're really in God's embrace. God is loving me in such a deep way, I don't understand. And I want to say something. The Alter Rebbe is not preaching, Chas Sholem to people that are suffering. The Alter Rebbe himself, Rabbi Shnir Zalman of Yadi, lived a life. Your You can read his story and you see oh, unbelievable what this man went through. He had so much persecution, so much challenge, challenge after challenge, difficulty after difficulty. He was locked away, he was in jail, he was persecuted by the Misnagdic world, and and then he was persecuted by even the Hasidic world. His his beloved daughter passed away, she gave his life up for his sake. Tsarist after Tsarist, the man did not have one restful day almost in his life. He suffered tremendously. So he wasn't talking from Hasif Shalom and telling others to accept suffering. He was empathizing, but, but the Rebbe himself had gone through all this. And he's saying, we have to wait it out till Mashiach comes to understand the goodness that's really there in the suffering. Fine. That's what he says in one place in Tanya. In the second place that Tanya I have to do this quickly, he reveals a secret of how we can actually uncover the hidden goodness and turn it into blessings without having to wait till Mashiach comes. Over there in chapter 22 in the letters of Tanya in the back, in chapter 22, he says another method. When a person is suffering, one should, should think about A person should consider the following. Should consider the idea that over there the Alter Rebbe is complaining that Hasidim are coming to him with their physical problems. And he's saying, why are you coming to me with physical problems? A Rebbe is supposed to be someone who's going to guide you in spiritual matters. Matters of your the Hashem, service of God. Are you coming to me with your problems, physical things? A Navi, even a Navi, he says, even a Navi people, no, he says, even, you, you, even the greatest Chachamim in all generations, people didn't come with them physical problems. Only to a Navi. So therefore, why are you bothering, why are you coming to me with physical problems? Have this ever heard about? He says, but, I, but the reason is, he says, because people are, you're, you're so pained because you're suffering, you have service in your body and, 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 and that physical pain that you're experiencing is making you not see things correctly. And the Alter Rebbe goes on to over there in the Tanya, and he says an amazing thing. He says that a person should consider as follows. He should consider as follows. That if a father rebukes his child, wants to punish his child, or whatever reason, and the child, if he's, not a, if he, if he's a, a silly child, he runs away, and he's trying to run and hide, and ask people to help him, that his father shouldn't punish him. But if he has a wisdom and understands that his father really loves him and cares about him, and he knows he did something, and the father is going to clean him and help him, so then the child will face his father and accept the punishment. It reminds me of a beautiful story, I'm going to say it very quickly. The Holy Chedusheh, Sfas Emes, the great Gerer Rebbe, the Sfas Emes, and his grandfather was the Chedusheh Harim. Great, great Gerer Rebbe, the first Gerer Rebbe. And one time, the Sfas Emes was late in the morning for the learning session. It was the learning that he used to learn very early in the morning, he was late. So his grandfather, the Chedusheh Harim, gave him, rebuked him very strongly the boy sat quietly and he listened and listened and listened to the end the complete rebuke and then he told his grandfather whatever that the reason why he was late which was totally legitimate reason something of the night before a whole thing he didn't sleep I don't know where, it was totally legitimate reason so the chadusha was like taken back he said so why were you quiet why don't you stop me right away you let me I gave you 15 minutes I'm showering I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm. so he said well you see Moshe Rabbeinu when he rebuked the children of God and Ruvain that they don't want to go into Eretz Yisrael, they could have also said immediately, Moshe, we're planning to come help. It's not that we're scared, just that we want to come over here, we want to stay on this side. Over there, the, the, the story that they did, the children of Ruv- Moshe Rabbeinu gives them, and they're quiet. And only afterwards they tell Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to join in, in the war. Says so he should have said it right away. He says, but if you can hear rebuke from Moshe Rabbeinu, are you going to stop him? And I was, if I can hear my grandfather rebuke me, am I going to stop you? In other words, that's, such, that's so precious, to get rebuke from someone like, to be so, the Alter Rebbe says when a person realizes that God Himself, an infinite, infinite, majestic, beautiful King, is scrubbing the filth, He Himself, He's not sending an agent, He Himself is sitting and cleaning me up. I'm filthy and I'm dirty, and I need a little cleansing. And Hashem is doing it, like it brings a posse to that. And I'm gonna run and scream and shout and. Accept the altar says, accept it, accept it. So you're suffering. Realize it's because of Hashem's tremendous love. He's loving you so much. And quite on the contrary, the suffering itself should lead you to an understanding. You should say to yourself, If Hashem is loving me so much that He Himself is cleaning me, He's washing my soul, He's scrubbing me, even though it stinks and it's yet He's doing it Himself. How much more should I love Him? As a result of the suffering, not only am I tolerating it, I'm actually getting filled with love, and I'm feeling, Wow, well, Hashem, You love me so much. And the Altered Rebbe says, when you have this love to Hashem, you know what it's going to do when you feel this love? It's going to cause Hashem's hidden love also to be revealed. And then the negativity, the external shell, the hardship, the negativity is going to fall away. The peel is going to fall away. And the inner kindness and love and goodness is going to be revealed. So then I see over here the Al Rebbe is really giving us an idea that we can actually bring about an end of suffering immediately. We don't have to wait for Mashiach to come. That if we can love Hashem more after we go through something hard, that's going to cause that 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 Hashem's love is also going to come to the surface and reveal itself, and the and the negativity is going to go away. It's not easy what he's talking about, but he's. Then comes a third level, a third a third parak, the eleventh chapter in 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 Hakodesh. Over there, he adds another idea. He says when a person is suffering, one has to consider as follows that. Um, creation is happening this very second he says all of creation there's no such a thing that they just created a world and then somewhere somewhere in the cosmos you know something is happening that went wrong one has to realize that all of existence all of time and space and all of history of the past and all of the future is being created this very second from absolute nothingness God is right now inventing the world at this very second including in that is my headache Including in that is my other chas my lack of parnasah. Including in that is my sad mind, my loneliness. Including, right now, from absolute nothing, God is inventing this world. Now God is inventing the world from His creativity, from His mind, that's rooted in God's infinite delight and pleasure. He's delighting in this magnificent creation that he's creating, which includes every part of it, including the suffering. So it must be that inside this suffering lies something so mystical and deep, so high, it's consistent with God's infinite pleasure. How, what, where, and when, I don't understand. Do you understand how a horrible pain can be connected to God's infinite pleasure, a terrible toothache that I'm screaming in pain? I don't know, but that's the truth, he says. Because we believe that God is creating the world from, any, from absolute nothing every second. So Muslim, when a person, so you can transcend the actual pain, and realize that Hashem is right now so close to me, innovating my entire experience. So it must be good. And then he adds, and the only reason why I'm going through the pain right now, it's a test, and Hashem is testing me, to see if I'm going to be caught up with my physical suffering, or am I going to penetrate deeper and say, I love you Hashem for just merely for you creating me, and I love you and I feel your closeness. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have time to explain the whole thing over here right now, but that's sort of the gist of it. Is that a person is able. And when you're doing that, he says, once you realize it's a test and you accept that, that that pain and 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 don't become crushed, but are happy even in the suffering, then once you pass the test, then the hidden goodness is revealed. What's the novelty in this teaching over what we said earlier? In last teaching, the in order to reveal God's goodness now, you need to first love Hashem back, and then after you love, you will evoke from God a higher love, and that love will reveal itself, because since you're revealing your love, that love will be revealed. Here the Altar is saying, as soon as you realize it's a test, so it doesn't need so many stages, you're already, as soon as you're realizing it's a test, then the goodness is already being revealed, right after that. Okay, so he's giving you three, and again, these really each one should be studied on their own. There's a lot to talk about, but I'm just going to conclude. All these three explanations are dealing with pain if we are living in the Gullus world. What's the Gullus world? Where the physical world is still an obstruction and a block and inconsistent with the higher godly world, and therefore the spiritual higher goodness cannot manifest because of the limitations of this physical world. In the world of Mashiach, we don't need any meditations. In the world of Mashiach, everything is going to be automatically revealed good. You don't need any explanations. Because the world is then receptive to the great goodness. You don't need neither to wait till Mashiach comes, because we're living already in the days of Mashiach. You don't have to come to a love and then bring forth a love and bring about a change. You don't have to go through the of it being a test and the endurance of that. From the very open, it's revealed that it's goodness. That's the approach of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Rav Shimon bar Yochai's approach was that he immediately, when he saw the curses, he went and he flipped them over. As we said before, the Rujiner flipped them over. The, the Balatanya did the same also in the Chumash. Meaning to say, the methods the Balat, the, the, it's, that Tanya is giving about dealing with hardship is as long as we're living in a gollistic, a constricted reality. If we connect ourselves to the tzaddikim, who they are already in, especially the tzaddikim who are teaching Pnimiya Torah. they're teaching the esoteric inner part of the Torah, they're pouring light as if Mashiach is here already, because they're living already in Mashiach's reality, then automatically the goodness, the the hidden goodness that's in all the challenges and difficulties are revealed. The Gemara tells also of a story, I'm just going to conclude, I don't know if, you know if I'm going to... Uh, i was going to conclude with a very quick story to see how Reb Shimon Bar Yichai is living already in that and he's able to he's, the chiddush over here it's not only for himself but also for everybody else the Medrash tells a story that Reb Shimon Bar Yichai's students one time they, they came to um, they, they, he had students and one student went, went left the yeshiva and he went into business and he became a very wealthy he, he traveled overseas and he came back he was a very wealthy man when he came back to the yeshiva and he was this big, big, wealthy guy, he drove up with a fancy Cadillac and all this, like the, the students of Reb Yechai looked and said, hey, you know what, this guy did pretty good. You know where, And they were kind of envious of his wealth. Not necessarily of everything that he did, but of, of his wealth. So Reb noticed that he picked up on it. He said to them, come outside to a val- Come outside. And it says in the Meddash it was in the valley of Moron. Moron is a mountain, but ne- next to Moron he found the valley. And Reb Yechai said like this, he spall and he davind. And he said, Bika, bika, Valley, valley. Haimalu dinarei of, Be filled with gold coins. Gold dinars. my moysheches dinarei zav lefneim. In front of them, the valley began to fill with gold coins. He said, you're looking for wealth? Here's wealth. Haimalayim zav atom of action. If gold you want, you have enough gold. Tulu lachem take.'" But know that whoever is taking now You're diminishing from your future world Because the reward is only later okay. But the fact that Reb Yochai Was able to just tell a valley Filled with gold, why? Where is the gold coming from? The gold was coming from all the Torah they studied It was their gold It's only that what? That now our physical world And the spiritual blessings That, they, that, the, that the Torah contains Are not aligned with each other because there's a certain separation between the physical and the spiritual. The things are not perfect. In other words, Torah really and mitzvahs bring us gold coins. It's for sure, that's the natural consequence of it. It's only that now there is a separation between. Rav Shemem and Mashiach will come, our world will be perfectly aligned and set to receive all the spiritual blessings automatically. If you learn Torah, there is gold. Since Rav Shemem was already living in the world of Mashiach, he even showed his students, come outside, if you're looking for gold, you have the gold already. You're learning Torah, you have it. This guy had to go out and do business for the gold. You have it already, I'll show you. Let me show you where your gold is. He went outside and he showed them, valley filled with gold. The is up here on the hill, down there in the valley is all the gold from their learning. It wasn't that he was making some trick, bringing gold from. It says this week in the parasha, if you will do my statues, you will have rain, you will have all the blessings, including gold. Fine. So you see from here, Shemar HaYachai was able to reveal to everybody. To bring forth the hidden blessings That are really there It's just not manifesting Because he taught it, And this teaches us so, so important That the more we connect To the inner teachings of the Torah The more we reveal them for ourselves And teach others The more we can take All the hidden blessings That are around us And bring them to fruition And to openness And we don't need all these other methods That we'll think about the goodness later And just naturally Miracles happen around us and so much goodness, and so much gold, and so much—we're filled with with gold coins around us, and we don't even know what to do with all that wealth and all that and all that all that blessing. May we merit that all this blessing should completely, totally be revealed in front of our eyes, and we will uh, to the ultimate blessing, and that is the coming of Mashiach. May it happen now.
1: Oi bye bye oi bye bye Oh! da